And we can't lose an election because of you know what I'm talking about. No. What are you talking about, Mr. Trump? You can say it. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. Mm -hmm. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 91.7 FM KYAQ on Oregon's Central Coast, and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on 93 FM WLRI, and they know what I'm talking about. 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. WGRN 94.1 FM Columbus, Ohio. 102.9 FM WLPP in Palinville, New York. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. This is the Bradcast. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you so very much for joining us today. A lot going on as we try to catch up uh, from the last few days here that have been kind of amazing, and they continue to be amazing even up to this very minute. Hey, remember last week? Remember that debate up in uh, up in New York between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton? Remember when Donald Trump said this a whole lot? Law and order. We need law and order. We need law and order in our country. We have to bring back law and order. We have to bring back law and order. Bless you. We need law and order. And we need law and order in the inner cities. You walk down the street, you get shot. Wow, sounds bad. We do need law and order. Imagine that. Um, funny thing, though, when it comes to Donald Trump and law and order, we talked about it last week quite a bit on this show, how he doesn't seem to give a damn about law or order. Well, uh, just before airtime here today, New York State Attorney General Eric Schneiderman's office has ordered the Donald Trump Donald J. Trump Foundation to, quote, immediately cease soliciting contributions. After a report by the Washington Post late last week that the charity lacked the proper authorization to seek public donations. The AG's office is the sole regulator of charities in New York State, according to this letter. And when evidence of clear misconduct is brought to our attention, we take action. Actually, that's a spokesperson from the attorney general's office in a statement. The actual notice of violation that was sent to Donald Trump or to the foundation, whoever runs that thing, was obtained by NBC News, and it warns that the charity, quote, shall be deemed a continuing fraud upon the people of New York unless it provided required paperwork regarding its fundraising activities within the next 15 days. Of course, we've been uh, talking about the Washington Post's coverage over the past several weeks, finding that the foundation lacked 
uh, well, lacked a whole lot. Uh, but it, late last week, they found that it lacked a required state certification that would allow it to request public uh, request funding from the public. The Trump uh, campaign had organized a veterans event, you, you'll recall, many months ago. During the GOP primary season, uh, they canceled a debate. He wouldn't participate, and instead he held what was billed as a fundraiser for vets, and he collected $1.67 million through a website directing donations to the Trump Foundation, which apparently hasn't done the proper paperwork to be a charitable foundation at all in New York City, at least for the last several years. Schneiderman, the AG there, has uh, has announced several weeks ago that he had opened an inquiry into the Trump's foundation. As well, the IRS had fined Trump earlier this year for using the charity to donate $25,000 to a political organization for Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi and reporting it in uh, in public forums as if the money was for a similarly named charity instead which was helpful, at least at first, because, uh, in fact, a charitable foundation is not allowed to give to a political foundation, uh, political organization like Attorney General Pam Bondi's uh, uh, campaign action uh, uh, committee. So um, right now, Donald J. Trump must cease all uh, operations of that foundation until he works this out with the New York Attorney General. So uh, law and order, Mr. Trump. Be nice if uh, he had some, too. Hi, Desi Doyen. How hey, are you doing today? I'm doing all right. All it's right. Uh, sort of surprising that uh, the Donald Trump Foundation is still in operation, apparently, <laughs> all. after all of this. But yeah. we'll see if the Trump organization responds. He had, of course, uh, been using that foundation essentially as a slush fund, apparently, uh, as uh, The Washington Post's David uh, Farenthold also reported a couple of weeks ago using money that was given to that charitable foundation to pay off his uh, legal settlements, his personal and business legal settlements. So this is uh, continues to be an ongoing legal matter for uh, for Mr. Trump, who pretends to give a damn about law and order. More on uh, Mr. Trump pretending to give a damn about law and order in a minute. But Desi Doyen, we've got uh, some hurricanes, uh, at least two right now. Big ones uh, on the globe. Hurricane Matthew is apparently the most powerful Atlantic storm since 2007. It is uh, beginning now to hit uh, Haiti, Jamaica and Cuba, according to forecasters uh, early Monday morning. This is shaping up to be a devastating blow, especially to places like Haiti and Cuba, says the Weather Channel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just it's the the impact on Haiti is difficult to describe just how bad and devastating this can be. They're still recovering from yeah. the 2010 earthquake that destroyed so much of the uh, of the country's mm -hmm. infrastructure, especially in Port-au-Prince, where much of the infrastructure still has not been rebuilt. And thousands of people are still in tent shelters uh, mm. throughout the, the island and and they just they really cannot afford to have a direct hit much less even the torrential rain that they're proposed to get right and now this projected is, to get. yeah this is looking like torrential rain this is a category four hurricane uh, sustained winds right now near 130 miles per hour the National Hurricane Center says it is an extremely dangerous hurricane and a resilient one it has not wavered much in terms of strength as they normally do. They get weaker, you know, stronger and weaker. 
Uh, the Hurricane Center says that it's a little bit unusual to go 48 hours with a Category 4 or 5 hurricane and not see some sort of fluctuation. Right. This We're one is unusually none. strong. It's also already broken the record for being the furthest south in the Atlantic Ocean that oh, really? a hurricane has formed. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's the closest to South America that any hurricane on record has ever gone. These... Uh, <laughs> These weather pat- patterns are changing, and they're changing in a big way over the last several years. We've, we'll have uh, more on uh, the other major hurricane threatening the globe right now in a second. But the U.S. government uh, has now begun to uh, uh, airlift hundreds of people from uh, from Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. Uh, twenty five. This is amazing in Haiti. Twenty five inches of rain is expected. Twenty five inches. Uh, reaching 40 inches in some areas. So they are uh, evacuating residents by boat from outlying islands. To give up, to put that in perspective, yeah. that's like nine months of rain. Uh, yeah. In, for Haiti. Right, in 24 hours from, uh, from this hurricane, potentially. Uh, Matthew will eventually make its way to the Bahamas by Wednesday, but then we don't know where it is headed. Florida Governor Rick Scott is calling the storm catastrophic. He's urging residents to be prepared. It could hit the east coast of Florida. It could go farther north up to South Carolina, uh, or it could veer off uh, off into the uh, off into the Atlantic. Yeah, that's what makes this one kind of weird. Is that it's not doing any of the normal behaviors that we have come to expect in the past from what the you know the usual typical hurricane seasons are. We don't have those anymore. We have whatever this new normal is, which we're still figuring out because. Ocean temperatures in the Gulf of Mexico, ocean temperatures in the Atlantic off the East Coast are at record highs and have been at sustained record highs. That gives all of these hurricanes more strength and more fuel to keep going and and, and putting them off into weird directions. So really, if you're on the East Coast, uh, get ready because you really don't know what this one's going to do. And uh, it's not the only one. As I mentioned, there's a typhoon also in the Pacific that is said to be uh, a, a amongst one of the uh, the most powerful, um, if not the most powerful ever recorded in some areas. Super Typhoon Chaba. It became it wasn't just a typhoon. Now it's a super typhoon. Yes, it's now kicked up to what would we call would call a uh, category five on the Saffir Simpson scale, which is what most people are accustomed to for hurricanes. Of course, cyclones and typhoons are just the name for hurricanes over on the other side of the Pacific. And that one is now threatening uh, parts of Japan. As yes, I understand it's it. already uh, passed over, uh, passed near Okinawa. It is the strongest hurricane. I think there have only been three hurricanes since the 1960s that have hit on the western side of Japan. It is the strongest hurricane to hit um, this small island called Kumajima, which is west of Okinawa. It's between Okinawa and Japan. And they said that the track that this uh, super, super typhoon Chaba is supposed to take is just really weird. They don't really see typhoons travel between South Korea and Japan, and it's probably going to strengthen and cross back over Japan. So they've got a double whammy headed for them. Estimated uh, winds uh, roughly 165 miles per hour for uh, for Chaba. As you said, uh, the equivalent of a Category 5 tropical cyclone at this time. So... Uh, boy, oh boy, everyone stay safe out there. Oh, it looks like uh, Chaba may have now spared uh, the uh, the U.S. Uh, air, air base at Kadena. Uh, I guess that's near Okinawa Island, um, although winds gusted to uh, 50 miles per hour there on Monday. 
some small islands, however, were not nearly as fortunate near uh, near that airbase. Yeah, and it just it emphasizes that, you know, with ocean temperatures so hot, with global warming, we are seeing these extreme weather events increase both in frequency and intensity. Oh, it's a hoax. It's just it's all a hoax. It's just a hoax. Doing my best uh, <laughs> uh, Trump yeah. impersonation there. Uh, speaking of hoaxes, uh, I, I've heard a lot of people over over the weekend. A lot of uh, a lot of the uh, sort of the diehard Bernie Sanders folks out there are all of a sudden they're very mad at Hillary Clinton again, or I should say, still perhaps. Um, they're a. Uh, an audio recording from a fundraiser she was doing. Once again, another fundraiser that uh, uh, audio has leaked uh, came out. Uh, was this late over the late Friday or or over the weekend? I'm not even sure. I didn't even know about it until I saw these people being uh, furious about it, saying that oh, she's calling uh, Bernie Sanders people basement dwellers uh, and uh, making fun of them, mocking them, uh, and in fact, Donald Trump. Uh, took advantage of exactly that, and on um, one of his uh, one of his, at one of his rallies, yeah, this was the one I guess in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Uh, he had a few words about what it was that Hillary said, which was apparently just terrible. We'll play what she said in a second, but here's Donald Trump uh, talking about it at a rally over the weekend. But I can tell you that Bernie Sanders would have left. A great, great legacy had he not made the deal with the devil. He would have, he really would have left a great legacy, especially after Hillary mocks him and mocks all of those people by attacking him and his supporters as living in their parents' basements and trapped in dead end careers in a really sarcastic tone. Because wow. she's a sarcastic woman. Wow, that sounds bad. Mocking. Gosh. Mocking Bernie Sanders supporters uh, for living in uh, their parents' basements because she's a sarcastic, nasty person. Uh, he also uh, tweeted, uh, Crooked Hillary is nasty to Sanders supporters behind closed doors. Owned by Wall Street and politicians, Hillary Clinton is not with you. Well, I'll set aside whether she's owned by Wall Street and politicians or not and just focus on what Hillary Clinton actually said in this February fundraiser because, as usual, these top-line headlines, uh, you know, basement dwell mocking uh, Sanders supporters, when you actually go and find out what she said, it seems to be somewhat less than the way people like Donald Trump and a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters are actually describing it. And uh, since the headline that, uh, you know, she's mocking so Bernie supporters, that seems to get out there, but not actually what she actually said. That doesn't seem to get out there nearly as much. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, and play this section uh, in full so you can decide what yourself, whether she's mocking, whether she's sarcastic, whether it's a... Uh, a terrible thing that she was saying. Now, again, this was in February of, uh, of 2016. This is in the middle of the uh, primary race between her and uh, and Bernie Sanders. She's speaking at a uh, private fundraiser. I guess she didn't know it was being uh, recorded. I don't know. But here is what she actually said uh, to supporters about Bernie Sanders supporters. Some are new to politics completely. They're children of the Great Recession, and they are living in their parents' basement, 
they feel that they got their education and the jobs that are available to them are not at all what they envisioned for themselves. And they don't see much of a future. I met with a group of young uh, black millennials today and you know, one of the young women said, you know, none of us feel like we have the job that we should have gotten out of college. Um, and we don't believe that the job market is going to give us much of a chance. So that is a mindset that is really affecting their politics. And so if you're feeling that you're consigned to, you know, being a barista or, you know, some other job that doesn't pay a lot and doesn't have much of a ladder of opportunity attached to it, then the idea that maybe, just maybe, you could be part of a political revolution is pretty appealing. So I think we all should be really understanding of that, and we should try to do the best we can, uh, not to be you know, a wet blanket on idealism. You want people to be idealistic, you want them to set big goals, but to take what we can achieve now and try to present them as bigger goals. So we should all be understanding of that. Hardly sounds like she was mocking to me. Hardly sounds like she's being sarcastic. Actually sounds to me like she's being empathetic. But you can decide. You now actually heard it for yourself, uh, you know, as opposed to on Twitter, uh, basement dwellers mocking uh, Sanders supporters. To my ears, doesn't sound like mocking. Maybe it does to yours. I don't know. Well, it, it the, got enough of a backlash that Politico changed their first headline. Oh, yeah? Their first headline was using the words mocked. Uh, I didn't get a screenshot of it, but then they went back and changed it to she gives her impression of. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure uh, Donald Trump didn't bother to read anything but the headline either. Most people, it seems like they don't. They read the headlines. They read the, uh, the 140 characters on Twitter. Uh, so I don't know. To my ears, didn't sound like uh, she was mocking. Sounded like she was being quite empathetic. And uh, apparently to Bernie Sanders ears, he felt the same way. He was asked about this uh, about this uh, leaked audio on ABC News this week with George Stephanopoulos over the weekend. What she was saying there is absolutely correct. And that is you got millions of young people, many of whom took out loans in order to go to college hoping to go out and get decent paying good jobs and you know what they're unable to do that and yes they do want a political revolution they want to transform the society they want to make sure that when they get out of school they can get a job that pays them wages and salaries commensurate with the education they have i think that's a very important point and that is an issue that as a nation we have got to address how do we create good paying jobs for people who have a decent education and one of the issues that Clinton is talking about is rebuilding our infrastructure, pay equity for women, raising the minimum wage to a living wage. So, in fact, we can have decent paying jobs for all of our people. Huh. Doesn't sound quite as bad now, does it? Uh, he went on. Uh, Bernie Sanders also went on to uh, with similar remarks on uh, on Sunday on CNN's State of the Union. He said, well, I agree with her. I agree with what she's saying. He said there are young people who went deeply into debt, worked very hard to get a good education and get out of school and can't get decent jobs and are living in their parents' basements. There is a point there. So, um, 
again, make of it what you will. I feel a lot of times we are, uh, you know, needing to do fact checking here because so little fact checking seems to happen in the media. So many people seem to hear nothing but the headlines or see nothing but the headlines or don't look further than anything but the headlines. Um, And I guess, you know, maybe some people just want to be outraged. Well, there's something to be outraged if you want unless you actually pay attention to what actually went on. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with uh, more to either be outraged about uh, or to pay attention to what actually went on. And yes, it has more to do with what Trump said over the weekend uh, in, in Pennsylvania and in Michigan and how the actual facts, once again, don't really seem to line up. Stay tuned. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Philadelphia freedom, freedom to commit voter fraud, apparently. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. It's another uh, apparently pants on fire edition of uh, the Bradcast as we try to uh, correct all the stuff and nonsense that uh, flies over our airwaves and doesn't seem to get corrected either on purpose or because the uh, corporate media has no idea what the hell is going on. So, okay, uh, Donald Trump, uh, over the weekend, <laughs> uh, I may be trying to uh, help people not notice that he didn't pay nearly a billion dollars worth of taxes in 1995, as the New York Times reported. Um, <laughs> was Well, at least he had losses of a billion dollars in 1990, nearly a uh, billion dollars in 1995. And then potentially, we don't know because he doesn't let us see our ta- his tax returns, but over the next 20 years, 19 years, something like that, he was able to deduct $50 million a year from what he would have had to pay in taxes based on those numbers from 1995. So that doesn't look all that good. Uh, Trump campaign uh, thinks uh, or they're spinning it as if it makes him a super genius for figuring out how to, uh, you know, avoid up to a billion dollars in taxes. Nonetheless, in order to change the topic, he was out over the weekend telling people in his super secret code words that there was going to be massive voter fraud, that his supporters needed to get out there, needed to keep their eyes on the polls. 
to keep this massive voter fraud from happening. Uh, he did this both in Pennsylvania and in Michigan. Let's go ahead and play this. Uh, here's his uh, remarks from no- Novi. Is that how you say yeah, it? Yeah, I Novi, think it is. Michigan. Novi, Michigan over the weekend. Make sure everything is on the up and up. You've been reading the same stories as I've been reading. So go to your place and vote and go pick some other place and go sit there with your friends and make sure it's on the up and up. Because you know what? That's a big, big problem in this country and nobody wants to talk about it. I'll talk about it. Nobody has the guts to talk about it. I got the guts. So go and watch these polling places. Make sure it's on the up and up. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, yeah, I'll talk about it. I got no problem talking about it. I talk about it all the time. I got the guts to talk about it, Donald Trump. Not a problem. Uh, Now, he's speaking, you know, he doesn't say it outright. He doesn't say the word voter fraud outright. He doesn't say who he's talking about, which areas he's talking about. A lot of code speak there. The code speak uh, got even more dense on Saturday night in Mannheim, uh, Pennsylvania, on this very topic. You've got to go out and you've got to get your friends and you've got to get everybody you know and you've got to watch your polling booths because I hear too many stories about Pennsylvania, certain areas. Certain areas? I hear too many bad stories and we can't lose an election because of you know what I'm talking about. You know what? So go and vote and then go check out areas because a lot of bad things happen. And we don't want to lose for that reason. So because of you know what in certain areas and you know what I'm talking about, what's he talking about? Uh, what areas? Who are certain uh, these certain areas that he wants people to go watch? And why won't he say what these areas are? You know what I'm talking about. Why all the codes speak? What's that about? Well, uh, here's what that's about. Uh, the Republican Party is still under a federal consent decree from uh, back from 1982 that they signed. This is uh, what I can't do the math. 15, 16 years ago, something like that. Longer? 82, 92. Well, it's like 20 something years, maybe. I don't know. I can't do the math. <laughs> and I'm not speaking in code. I just can't do the math on the fly. But um, I. The Republican Party is has been ordered by a federal court. They are in big trouble if they target, as he likes to say, certain areas. They cannot target. They are not allowed to target, to racially target certain areas. And um, that would be the Republican Party and agents of the Republican Party. Now, is the Republican nominee considered to be an agent of the Republican Party? Well, apparently, because Donald Trump is being very, very careful with what he's talking about there. Uh, Politico speaks about uh, this uh, this consent decree very specifically. So let me uh, let me read you a little bit from Politico so you understand what it is. That Donald Trump is trying to not say out loud. And then I'll tell you how even if he did say it out loud, it's all stuff and nonsense. I'll get to that in a second. So uh, Trump's vision of police watching the polls. This is something that he had uh, said 
a couple of months ago that uh, he's going to you know, make calls to the police. Well, police, very specifically in this consent decree, whether uniformed or non-uniformed, are also not allowed to target areas based on racial profiling when it comes to election fraud, according to this uh, this uh, federal court order from the 80s. So uh, Politico writes, uh, Trump's vision of police watching the polls and his vague call for supporters to, quote, go down to certain areas and watch sounds a lot like an aggressive and notorious voter intimidation campaign during New Jersey's 1981 governor's race. That year, they write, Republicans challenged voters at the polls in minority precincts, and they dispatched armed, off-duty police and deputy sheriffs to patrol polling places in minority neighborhoods, wearing armbands at the time that read, quote, National Ballot Security Task Force. Ever since, a federal court has barred the Republican National Committee from organizing ballot integrity or anti-fraud efforts that specifically target minority neighborhoods. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Certain areas, as Donald Trump now calls them. The order does not apply to candidates, Politico says, but it could limit Trump because candidates usually turn to local parties to find poll watchers. Now, it's unclear that it doesn't apply to candidates per se uh it does uh, apply to agents of the uh, of the party so you know make of that what you will but that's one of the reasons why he's being so very careful with his words here that was back in uh, in 1981 and then in 2003 despite that court order someone tried the same 1981 intimidation strategy in the Philadelphia mayor's race men wearing suits with law enforcement lapel pins and carrying clipboards, drove around black neighborhoods in Philly in unmarked vans. They watched voters go to the polls and asked many of them for their identification. Some had warned falsely that voters could be arrested at the polls if they owed, uh, if they owed child support. That's an old trick, an old dirty trick. The incident remains infamous in progressive election protection circles. Indeed, it does. That was 2003. And then in 2004, please remember that there were hundreds, as Politico writes, hundreds of University of Pittsburgh students who waited for hours to vote in the presidential election in Pennsylvania. The local Democratic Party alarmed at the bottleneck. They handed out pizza and water to encourage the students to stay in line. Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Famer Franco Harris worked the line armed with a giant bag of Dunkin Donuts. Uh, the stalled line, however, was not because of huge turnout back in 2004. It was because of what was happening at the check in desk. The attorneys for the Republican Party were challenging the credentials of pretty much every young voter who showed up. Says Pat Clark, a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh activist and registered Democrat who was working for an election protection group that day. So basically, just by challenging people at the polling place, they were able to hold up the line and make it so that people had to wait hours and hours to even cast their vote. And this is something that is still allowable in the state of Pennsylvania. A lot of states have said, you, you know, you can observe, you can watch what's going on, um, but but you can't challenge voters. You can't stop their vote from being uh, stop them from casting a normal ballot uh, or force them to 
to cast a provisional ballot. But in uh, in Pennsylvania, you kind of still can. And that's what uh, Donald Trump was was speaking towards uh, in his in his code speak over the weekend in Pennsylvania and in Michigan. Uh, Politico goes on to write that in 2004, some of the University of Pittsburgh students who were caught in the interminable line arrived at the front to discover that they were not registered in the poll books at all. Some of them were victims of another dirty trick that was played on college campuses in three states that year. Canvassers sent out by GOP operatives had gotten students to sign petitions supporting medical marijuana or lower car insurance rates and then use their information to submit bogus changes to their voter registrations. So that happened in Pennsylvania. That also, I recall, happened out here in California, happened elsewhere around the country where they would, you know, uh, tell them they were, uh, please, uh, you know, we're we're trying to do medical marijuana or helping uh, cancer patients, children's cancer uh, hospitals and so forth. Can you sign here? And then they would use that signature to fill out a change of registration form in some fashion to either cancel their registration or move it. Um, it, It's a dirty trick. It's a classic dirty trick. That also seems to me uh, some of the problem that happened during the primary election where people felt they had been registered as Democrats for years. They got to the polls and they found out they were no longer registered at all or they were registered as uh, as Republicans. So, again, I'm going to urge people to check your registration, even if you think you are registered. Check your registration. Make sure you're registered. Make sure you're registered in the location you think you are registered uh, to vote in. Check to make sure your name is accurate on on your registration, especially in states where they're now uh, uh, where, you know, that are run by Republicans and they're becoming more and more. Uh, strict about ID uh, concerns, whether those ID concerns are real or not, whether they're legal or not. More on that in a moment, but but check because that's what's going on. And also reach yeah. out to your friends and family and remind them to check as well, because if you're listening to this, then you're probably pretty well informed, but your friends and family might not be. So, you know, make sure that you help them out as well. Now, Trump has been talking for several months about the idea that the elections are going to be rigged this year. He's talking about voter fraud, which uh, voter impersonation at the polling place, incredibly rare, photo ID restrictions will do almost nothing to stop it. But... He was uh, specifically when he said, I hear too many stories about Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Now, we've talked about it before on this program several times, but I guess we have got to do it again because this is part of uh, Republican news lore, Fox News lore, Sean Hannity lore that is completely and utterly bogus which even uh, Republicans now admit is bogus, specifically this story about Philadelphia. And that's why they focus on Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, there were 59 uh, precincts. They call them divisions in, uh, in, in Philadelphia. 59 divisions which originally recorded zero votes for Mitt Romney back in 2012. That is true. Zero votes for Mitt Romney which Fox News at the time and ever since has said it's outrageous. It could not possibly happen. Mitt Romney could not just could could not get zero votes in a in a precinct in a major city. That's absurd. It's got to be fraud. It's got to be voter fraud. Somehow they have to be taking votes off of the machines. 
which is not easy to do uh, with, especially with the type of machines they use in, uh, in, in across much of Pennsylvania, but in uh, Philadelphia in particular. Um, in any event, so in those uh, precincts, yes, it is true there were 59 precincts originally that recorded zero votes. And so we looked at this back at, uh, at bradblog.com. We looked at this back in December of 2012. We looked at a whole bunch of concerns about voter fraud by Democrats uh, that Republicans were yelling and screaming about to explain why it was that uh, Barack Obama got four and a half million votes more than Mitt Romney. So apparently, I guess there was four million uh, cases of voter fraud that somehow nobody has been able to identify. But 50 precincts, 59 precincts in Philadelphia uh, had zero votes. So we looked at it at bradblog.com at the time. And as we were reported back in December of that year, um, in 2004, George W. Bush also received zero votes uh, in in a number of Philadelphia precincts. Uh, not as many as 59, however. John McCain, however, did nearly as poorly. He got shut out in 57 Philadelphia precincts. He received zero votes in 57 Philadelphia precincts uh, in 2008, as opposed to Romney getting 59, uh, shut out in 59 Philadelphia precincts. Of course, he was less popular with the African-American community than was John McCain, uh, who was less popular than was George Bush. Now, George Bush in 2004, he did receive zero votes, but only in five Philadelphia precincts, as we reported at the time. However, uh, few people may remember that according to exit polls, as we noted, George W. Bush fared uh, reasonably well among the black uh, among black voters, at least as compared to both Romney and McCain. Bush managed to secure 11 percent of the black vote nationally, according to the exit polls. That's almost double of what uh, Mitt Romney got. And he did even better uh, in Pennsylvania. He scored 16 percent of the African-American vote in uh, in Pennsylvania back in 2004. George W. Bush did this modestly strong support by Republican standards, at least at the time, enabled George W. Bush to scrape up a vote or two in even the most hostile precincts. But even with his relatively strong performance among black voters, he was still shut out in five inner city precincts in Philadelphia. By the way, uh, Rom- so it's not that unusual that there were, uh, you know, that many precincts. Uh, and I'll get to more on this in a moment. But it, it, Romney is also shown to have received zero votes in uh, in 22 precincts in Dallas, Dallas, Texas. What? Yes, that uh, inner city blue state of Texas somehow... <laughs> Allowed uh, allowed Mitt Romney to get shut out in 22 precincts in in uh, uh, in Dallas, 22 precincts also in New Orleans, nine precincts in Birmingham, Alabama, seven precincts in Gary, Indiana, six precincts in Louisville, Kentucky, and three precincts in Baton Rouge. As Bradblog.com reported back in 2012, so it is not completely unusual to get zero votes, even in Oklahoma. In 2012, one of Obama's worst states, one precinct, reportedly went 606 to 3 
for Barack Obama, and he carried several other large precincts with more than 97 percent of the vote. And on the other side of the ledger, Obama himself received zero votes in several mostly white precincts in Utah, in Oklahoma, in Louisiana and Mississippi. So receiving zero votes is not outrageous. And also not unheard of. Not unheard of. Not outrageous. It happens all the time. Now, uh, that's what he's talking about when uh, Donald Trump says, I hear too many stories about Pennsylvania. What he's hearing about is Sean Hannity repeating over and over again how it's impossible, impossible that uh, Obama could have received zero, I'm sorry, Romney could have received zero votes in all of those precincts. Well, even the Republicans in Philadelphia are sick to death of hearing about this stuff and nonsense. This was uh, two weeks ago, and I love this, two weeks ago in the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer from Chris Brennan, he writes, uh, the political conspiracy theory sounds more dastardly the further you travel from Philadelphia, where the misdeed is said to have transpired. Psst, did you hear the one that Mitt Romney didn't get a single vote for president in 50 divisions in Philadelphia during the 2012 general election? Not one. Brennan writes, it's true. It is also not that surprising to Republican Party officials in Philadelphia. They are, after all, accustomed to dealing with seven to one voter registration, a seven to one voter registration advantage that is held by the local Democratic Party. Yes, as it turns out, it is possible in Philadelphia. Inquirer reporters at the time, Philadelphia Inquirer, not the National Inquirer, but the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, they made phone calls and they knocked on doors in those divisions after the 2012 election, looking for someone, anyone that might have voted for Mitt Romney. There was a lot of stories about this at, at the time, and no one called to say, yeah, I voted for Mitt Romney. I live in that precinct. I'm uh, I mean, I'm furious that they didn't count my vote. They found no Republicans who claimed that their votes went uncounted. Joe DeFelice uh, the Inquirer reports, has heard this all before. He is now the chairman of the Republican City Committee Committee in Philadelphia. In 2012, he was the director of Election Day operations for the state Republican Party. He and other local Republican Party officials are not at all surprised that Mitt Romney received no votes in 50 divisions, given how deeply Democratic parts of the city are. The city had 1,687 divisions that year in 2012 meaning Romney took zero votes in just 3% of them. It was originally reported a week after the 2012 election that he received no votes in 59 divisions. That's how we reported it at the time of Brad blog. But that was updated several months later after the count of absentee and provisional ballots showed that he received votes in nine of those divisions. So now that number is 50. DeFleece the Republican Party official said he's been fielding phone calls about the no vote division uh, issue for four years. He says people seize on the issue and they're looking in the wrong direction. DeFelice noted that most of the divisions where Romney had no luck in 2012 are in North and West Philadelphia, which are overwhelmingly Democratic and African-American. He says it was a presidential election. You had a rich white Republican running against a black Democrat. <laughs> 
Al Schmidt. He's a vice chairman of the uh, of the city commissioners. He's the lone Republican on the three member board that runs Philadelphia elections. He said that people outside of Philadelphia who are struck by the issue may not know that the city has so many precincts, which are also sometimes uh, so many divisions, which are also sometimes referred to as precincts. He says these precincts are very small geographically and frequently the electorate is very homogenous. Because we may be talking about one building or one block. City Councilman David O., one of three Republicans out of the 17 members on the city council, he leads the third ward where Romney received no votes in two of the uh, 22 divisions they have there in 2012. David O., like other Republicans, noted that President Obama was up for re-election as the nation's first African-American president in 2012, a historic event that resonated with many black voters in the city. Quote, there is no evidence to me that there's any cheating going on, O. said. It's not really suspect under those circumstances. So one Republican after another who actually lives in Philadelphia says this is stuff and nonsense. Dennis Fury, the Republican leader of the 46th Ward in, in West Philadelphia, said she was not surprised when Romney received no votes in two of her division, 23 divisions there. Those divisions, she said, are almost exclusively African-American. But many years turn out, uh, in some of those years, uh, they turn out some reliable Republican voters. What we found in the Obama races was a lot of people who would typically vote Republican voted for Mr. Obama, Fury said. That is not surprising to me. And yet the stuff and nonsense lives on. Well, you know, I think it also speaks to how racially segregated many of our cities are. You know, these areas are incredibly concentrated and homogenous in those neighborhoods, as maybe. that Republican guy sure. said. So. Maybe. I, I mean, there there are, you know, reasons why this could happen. There are reasons why it could be fraudulent, by the way. True. But when you put out this many stories uh, and it's so, you know, publicly out there that, wow, look, zero votes in, uh, in, in these specific precincts and nobody calls and says, hey, yes, I'm a Republican. Go look. You'll see I signed into the book and you'll see I voted for Romney. My vote wasn't counted. I'm outraged. This has been four years and it just keeps getting repeated over and over and over again. It's complete and utter nonsense. Sean Hannity knows it's nonsense. I don't know if Donald Trump is smart enough to know that it is nonsense or if he just listens to whatever the hell it is that, uh, you know, Donald Trump says. Um, but it's nonsense. And, uh, you know, the reason they're saying it is so that people will, frankly, cause chaos in certain precincts on election day. You know the ones I'm talking about. I don't have to tell you. You know what I'm saying, right? We'd hate to lose because of you know what in certain precincts with certain areas. So go watch certain voters. We don't want to lose for that reason. So it's to cause havoc uh, and it's to institutionalize the havoc, as we talked about on, on our last program, as we're seeing up there in Wisconsin, where for some reason, despite court after court after court finding that Wisconsin's photo ID voting restriction is uh, in violation of the Voting Rights Act, it's in violation of the Constitution, for some reason it has still for now been allowed to stand, this uh, uh, photo ID restriction. That 
despite uh, vote writers who went out to uh, one uh, DMV after another where at, where the state had promised that if you showed up with a, uh, you know, any type of idea at all and said, I can't. Uh, You know, I can't vote. I no longer have the type of uh, photo ID that is required to vote under the new law that was passed by the Republican legislature and and signed by Governor Scott Walker. Then they are supposed to give you a certificate to vote. No questions asked. Within six days, you're supposed to get it. But vote writers, uh, volunteers from that uh, nonpartisan uh, voting rights organization went to uh, DMV after DMV after DMV and found uh, the clerks there saying, yeah, well, we don't know. Maybe it'll be six, eight weeks. Maybe you can maybe get one. Who knows? They didn't know. This was after the state of Wisconsin had promised, had guaranteed the federal appellate court who was ready to strike down the whole damn thing that, yeah, w- uh, you know, we have retrained the entire uh, DMV so they know to give out these IDs. Well, They're not giving them out. And now uh, DMV workers at six more uh, uh, stations have now been found to be giving the wrong uh, the wrong information to voters who show up trying to get the ID that they will need to vote. And we were talking about three hundred thousand voters who are already registered to vote. These aren't even new voters. These are people who have voted before who have voted year after year, who don't have the type of ID that they need to vote, and they can't get it at the DMV, despite uh, Scott Walker and the state promising that they would be able to. Well, the federal court is furious about it. The federal court has ordered uh, the uh, the state of Wisconsin and the DMV to come in and explain what the hell is going on by the end of this week. Um, Whether that will be in time for so many of these people, so many. Ari Berman uh, broke the story originally at The Nation. Uh, you know, one of the people he writes about, Claudel Boyd, a 62-year-old African-American uh, who moved to Wisconsin last year from Chicago. But his birth certificate, uh, his name is spelled Clardell instead of Claudel because of the a mistake that his mother's uh, cursive handwriting. They couldn't read it. Well, the Wisconsin ID that he was issued says Clardell, not Claudel. And he's now been to the DMV twice to try to fix this problem. He's brought his Illinois state ID, his Social Security card, his marriage certificate, with all that have the proper spelling of his name. But the DMV told him, nope, sorry, you got to go back to Illinois to correct your birth certificate or you can change your name. All so that he can uh, try to vote. This is a man, by the way, whose parents were born in Mississippi at a time when most African-Americans in the state couldn't vote at all. Now, he says uh, history is repeating itself up north. It looks like Wisconsin is making it harder for people like me to vote, he said. That's what people are dealing with in Wisconsin. That is no mistake. That is what could well cause havoc and chaos on November 8th. And frankly, Republicans are counting on it. Now, there are reasons to be concerned about what goes on on November 8th uh, concerning fraud. We'll take a quick break and we'll hit some of that in our few minutes uh, left after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Pay attention. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. 
I'll thank you now. Yes, Donald Trump, major party nominee who wants to be the president of the United States, is urging the American public to check out a sex tape that doesn't exist from a Venezuelan reality show. Is this the real life? Is it? Is this just fantasy? I wish. Caught in a landslide. No escape from reality. Man, I hope it's a landslide. One way or another, to be frank. Uh, If we have a close race this November 8th, God help us all. Uh, Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So, of course, Donald Trump is out there uh, telling people to watch the polls. And by the way, so am I. I'm telling people to watch the polls, uh, to be there particularly at the end of the day when the polls close and when these horrible voting machines that we use all across the country, uh, when they print out uh, their results at the end of the day. You can or you should at least be able to take photos of those results Uh, at least the results as reported by these terrible computers at each precinct. Now, I'm not telling you to go to certain ones. I'm not telling you to target certain people. I'm telling you to go to your own precinct, wherever it is. Be there when the polls close and take some photographs. And by the way, be there throughout the day to help people vote. No, not to help people not vote, not to stop people from voting, as uh, Donald Trump seems to be calling for, but to help people vote. And yes, particularly in Pennsylvania, where still, because uh, the folks who run Pennsylvania apparently hate their voters so much that they still force uh, a huge, uh, I think, majority of the state to vote on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting machines that can never, ever, ever, ever be verified after an election to know if, in fact, they actually recorded the actual intent of the voters. We are still doing this. I am still, yes, I am still talking about this on the broadcast and at bradblog.com that despite so many years warning about this, despite so many years uh, showing how easily these systems can be hacked, by uh, particularly by insiders, but now, of course, finally, after how many years, the U.S. government is now suddenly wo- uh, worried about it because now they're worried about hacking from Russia and from other foreign nations, I guess it was OK to to hack these machines uh, if you you know lived in the country, if you lived in any other country. But now now they're worried about it because Russia is going to come get us. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security is urging state and local officials to seek assistance from the federal government to fend off cyber attacks that could be used to manipulate the results of the November presidential election. This now, according to Bloomberg News. The agency is ready to provide assistance to help states secure their systems if they request it, as Jay Johnson, the secretary of the Homeland of Homeland Security, uh, said once again in a statement over the weekend on Saturday. Threats are rising that criminals will use cyber attacks to try to disrupt the administration of U.S. elections. Great. These challenges aren't just in the future. They are here today, Johnson said in the statement in recent months, malicious cyber actors uh, have uh, have been scanning a large number of state systems, which could be a preamble to attempted intrusions. In a few cases, we have determined that malicious actors gained access to state voting-related systems. Now, uh, apparently, they say, 
the access, the people trying to get in, whoever they are, were not from um, or were, were not trying to get into actual voting machines and tabulators, but actually voter registration systems. His statement was in response to a September 28 letter from top Democrats and Republicans in the House of Representatives and the Senate to the National Association of State Election Directors urging states to take advantage of public resources available to help them secure their systems. Now, that makes common sense. However, uh, folks on the right and, yes, a bunch of Bernie Sanders diehards are calling this a takeover of, uh, of, of state election systems by the Department of Homeland Security. And I was in a couple of uh, Twitter wars last week. You can check out my feed if you really want to go digging down this rabbit hole uh, last week uh, at uh, I am the Brad blog on Twitter uh, claims that the Department of Homeland Security is trying to unconstitutionally take the jurisdiction away from states, states who, according to the Constitution, do, in fact, uh, determine how elections are run in each state. But the thing is, they're not taking away jurisdiction from anyone. They're offering help. They're saying, hey, if you'd like, we can come and give you advice on how you can try to protect your system. We can run some tests on your system to see uh, if there have been uh, you know, attempts to access it. Jay Johnson said that the agency is not aware of any manipulation of data and that so far 21 states have contacted the, uh, the department to seek help. We would like to see more, he said. The FBI has been investigating hacking attacks on at least two state election boards, one of which resulted in data being stolen. Uh, those uh, states were Illinois and Arizona. The majority of data stolen from one state's Board of Elections website occurred in July, while an attempt to hack into the election system of another state was made in August, according to the Bureau, which did not identify the states involved. Uh, they are now saying... Sources are telling NBC News that hackers have been targeting systems in some 20 states, attempted intrusions, trying to uh, find out who is, uh, wh- you know, where they are vulnerable. This uh, unnamed DHS official described much of the activity as, quote, people poking at the systems to see if they are vulnerable. We are absolutely concerned, said the DHS official. The concern is the ability to cause confusion and chaos, but apparently they are not concerned to have uh, taken action on this any time uh, prior to what, just 30 something days before the election. Here was Richard Clark over the weekend on uh, on ABC this week asking about these attempts uh, to to hack our voting systems. If you're in the White House right now, what would you be recommending? I'd be recommending we try to work with the states. There are a couple of states that don't have paper ballots. Uh, They have machines where you push a button and that's it. There's no paper record. We need something as a backup so that in case the election does get messed up in some way, we can count paper votes. In case it gets messed up, (laughs) how would you know? How would you know if a hacker gets in there and uh, does something to the numbers, particularly in a state like Pennsylvania? And by the way, it's more than just a couple of states. It's pretty much every state in the union that relies on uh, computerized tabulators Uh, that would leave no evidence of manipulation after the election unless somebody bothered to go in and try to figure it out. Not that we've been warning about this for more than a decade. Uh, 
And uh, not that they ever pay attention until it's too late. I got to get out. My thanks to my producer, Desi Doyen. My thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it for free at bradblog.com. Leave a comment while you're there. Always good to see from you. Uh, You can drop me email if you prefer. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com or on the Facebooks and the Twitters at thebradblog. Yes, this is real life. This is not a fantasy. And this has been yet another fact-check version of the Bradcast. You're welcome. Consider yourself smarter than you were a little less than an hour ago. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 